get chasing better. No matter where I go, I want you to know that I'm out here chasing better. I'm gonna take this far. Today is where I start. In my home, I'm better. Every day, I'm better. What can I say? I'm better. I'm chasing better, better, better. better. In my life, I'm better. Living dreams, I'm better. What do I mean? I'm better. I'm chasing better, 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 better. Well, hey, everybody, this is Corey Baker, and you are listening to the Chasing Better podcast. So excited to have all of you here uh, with me today. It's been a few weeks since I've been on, and it's been a crazy time. We are, uh, we are moving, and we've been in uh, a lot of momentum. Our, our personal coaching business is really doing well, so I've, I've had some time to spend on that. But in light of all that uh, is happening in our world, you know, for probably – I don't know, maybe my last two or three podcasts prior to this one had to do with what was happening in our world, like to talk about what's relevant and talked quite a bit about uh, life with the, with the virus and uh, social distancing and how that's, you know, impacting mental health. And uh, over the course of the last week with the situation involving in Minnesota with uh, George Floyd and all that is happening, you know, this is a, uh, a story that has been played out before, but one that I feel now is really gaining uh, a lot of traction and movement in uh, the direction of some incredibly necessary change in our world. And uh, really wanted to have some guests on tonight with me to talk a little about this because I know that there's so many people today that have an opinion uh, about race and about our police and about our president and all of these things. And um, I wanted to have some friends that I've known for, man, almost 20 years that I respect a ton uh, in this topic. And I'll have them introduce themselves in just a second, but we served on staff at churches together. We've uh, stayed connected over a period of, of many years. And uh, they actually wrote a book uh, on this topic several years ago uh, that has an incredible amount of relevance today. So I don't want to talk a lot because that's uh, not the point of us being on today. I want to have my good friends, uh, Alex and Angie Bryant, come on. And they've uh, began a, a ministry, a movement of, of race reconciliation that is really uh, taking off. And uh, Alex and Angie, uh, so glad to have you guys on. Thanks for joining the Chasing Better podcast today. Hey, thanks for having us, Corey. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's, it's great to hear your voices again, uh, even though you're Cardinals fans. Um, <laughs> we, Cardinals, baby. We, uh, we, we've had a, a discourse about baseball for many, many years. I'm a Cubs fan. Alex is a Cardinals fan. We do share a common love of the Chicago Bears. and um, we They're down. We tend to uh, both – it seems like when I'm optimistic, you're pessimistic, and when you're pessimistic, I'm optimistic about the Bears. So we have a good give and take a little bit, balance each other out well in, in the Bears uh, topics. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. So maybe just if you can, take a few minutes and, and just tell us your story, a little bit about you guys and um, 
your family and, and what you do. And, and um, I know you just wrote a book, so you can talk a little about that. But, but why is all of that is happening right now in our world? Why is this such an important topic specifically for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're Alex and Angela Bryant. We've known each other since grade school, grew up together in the same small town since I was about seven or eight years old in Macomb, Illinois, and um, went to church together starting in about high school. She was in a small little school outside of the town. I was in the, the high school and went to school in Macomb. But, um, you know, we, we were just, we were mutual kindred spirits is what I would say at youth group and in church. I remember seeing Angie and her passion for God and always thinking I want to marry a girl like that one day, but probably a different color. <laughs> um, in case you didn't know, I'm a black man and she's a white woman. And so, um, you know, but yeah, we just, I always saw Jesus in her and I think she saw that in me. But at that time, back in the late 80s and early 90s, I think the, the culture of church world was just, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm not racist, I'm not prejudiced, but you know, you guys do you and we'll do us. And so um, that's just kind of, you know, where it started. And so, um, so you go from there to, um, we ended up dating once in high school, it really didn't work out. We go off to college and date and end up falling in love and getting married in 95 and started raising a family and just doing our best to raise our family, a Christian family and just follow the Lord and not really focus on race, but not really ignore it, but it just, yeah. it just was what it was. Right, being a biracial couple, you know, we always are aware of what's going on racially. You know, every time you meet somebody new, you know, and like starting a job for me, like I'd be like, okay, so here I am, I'm meeting my coworkers, okay, now, okay, Alex is gonna come by and drop something off for me at the front office, okay, well, hmm, do I tell them that it's going to be a big, bald black man that's coming in the door? Or, you know, do I just let it go and see what happens? You know, so we are always aware of race being a potential issue. Um, but then once we started having kids, we have four handsome boys and a beautiful little princess at the end of that. And so that takes it up a whole nother level to us having to be much more aware of how race is impacting everything that we do every day. Um, you know, when Ferguson <clears throat> happened, when Michael Brown was shot, we lived there in St. Louis and um, our boys were, our two oldest boys were young teenagers. And so they were like, um, where do we fit into this mix? Do we have to pick a side? Like what are, what's expected of us? And so, oh, that broke our heart to have them have to ask that question. Yeah. And so that's really kind of where um, it went to a ministry focus for us where when I was pastoring at the St. Louis Dream Center and pastoring a church of about 600 predominantly black people, married to a white lady, raising five biracial kids, we pastored in the inner city and lived in the suburbs. And this deal with Mike Brown came full circle. It was literally four and a half miles from where I pastored. And so walking the streets of Ferguson, seeing the pain, the hurt, the rage, the anger, the injustice, it just opened my eyes. And so that's really what kind of started us on the trajectory that we're on now. We were still in ministry, but um, that kind of started us on this next path of really knowing that race and racial reconciliation was going to be a big part of our ministry. And you guys, uh, as a result of what happened with Michael Brown, you guys, you know, kind of, uh, you, you made a video that really went viral and talking about this message of starting again. And I know recently you've uh, pub published a book 
uh, called that. Uh, what would you say like right now is, is your main, and, and we'll get into specifically where we're at now, but again, this is a, this is a, a fight um, that you guys have been fighting and, and I hate to even use the word fight, but that's what it is. I mean, this is a, this is a topic that you guys have been engaging in for a long, long time. So can you just talk a little bit about the let's start again message? Yeah, sure. So and it kind of started um, in a crazy little way. Uh, Alex and Katie stayed home together one summer when she had her tonsils out. Katie's our daughter. She's 10 now. So she was pretty little back in 2016. And she, we were, he was watching the movie Annie with her, the, the version with Jamie Foxx, right? And so there's a moment in that towards the end of the movie where everybody comes together faces the fact that you know Annie's been kidnapped now and they need to right this wrong and they need to change their bad behavior and their wicked ways and unite together to help little Annie and so this the song has a chorus to it that says I'm going to start again I don't want to sing it I'm not going to sing it the family. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're just analyzing and, and reflecting on their life and their choices and how people have gotten hurt because of their choices and so they want to start over and so as we watched, listened to that song and, and heard that song over and over in that movie, next thing you know, there were the five officers that were shot and killed in Dallas. And so really for Alex, this yeah. was just a real personal moment where that song collided with what he was seeing. You probably should take it from there, Alex. So yeah, um, I've had that song in the back of my mind and wasn't even really equating it to racial injustice or anything like that. Um, my son, Trey, had had knee surgery. I was at physical therapy with him one Friday morning, which is the night after five police officers were shot in Dallas. And while he was in doing physical therapy, I was down in the car and, I, and that song came on. Um, I, I was listening to the soundtrack and um, I was just researching this story because I hadn't had a chance to, to really get all the details of you know, the, the young man, Micah, that shot the police officers and killed them. And I was just researching and my heart was just breaking as I was reading more and listening to more. And I'm listening to this song and it's like, man, we need to start over. We need to start again. And um, by the time Trey came out, it seemed like it was just a couple minutes. My, my heart was just breaking. I was crying. And um, it's about a 20 minute ride home. The Holy Spirit was on him. He was only 15, 16, 17 at the time, but he just had a sensitivity enough to realize, you know, this is a moment that dad needs. And so when I got home, um, I told Ange, I was like, hey, and she could tell I was. Something was stirring. Yeah, something was stirring. And I was like, hey, um, God's telling me some stuff. I'm going to go downstairs and write a little bit. And so and she's like, I'll keep the kids. I like to write. And um, 10 minutes later, I pop upstairs and I'm like, hey, God gave me this. There was 26 statements. And that's what the statements that were in our video um, with the note cards. And I was like, we're going to make a video with note cards. I need you to write this out. And then, you know, she kind of took it from there. God told her you know, hey, let's get the kids involved. We're going to have it be a patriotic theme. It was right around 4th of July. And so we made this video and it just took off. It went viral and um, it was end up being seen 35 million times on Facebook. And so that was the start that kind of pulled us into this area that we were talking on. And so then we were just, hey, Lord, what do you want us to do? People kept asking us. We got about seven, 8,000 emails sent to us and, and we answered every single one of them. It took us about um, three months to do it. But people kept saying, what's next? What's next? But we didn't have a what's next. We just knew that God gave us that video and it was touching people's hearts. And, um, and so in the meantime, I enrolled in seminary. I started doing papers on and, and racism and 
you know, is God a white racist and, you know, um, slavery and, and the church and racism. And as I was starting to do these research papers, I kind of came to the message that we ended up putting in our book. And so I believe, we believe, you know, and we share a lot of our personal stories, a lot of our history, being a biracial couple who's been married for 25 years, raising biracial kids, we started to put all that together. And, um, and that now that we started writing it about a year ago, it just came out a month ago. And so that's the message of the book. Let's start again. Well, I, I'm, I'm first of all excited to, uh, to get my hands on it uh, myself. I'm a little bit upset that I haven't got one sent to me yet. Uh, but that's, that's actually the reason that I'm, that I'm here. It's, it's, it's just completely to have an intervention as to why I haven't gotten the book yet. Hello? She's sitting next to me. So. <laughs> sorry, I think we lost connection. I to, sorry. Hey, if you guys are listening to this, everybody, sorry. We had a little miss, little glitch there. So I was just having a little banter. It just it didn't go over well. Uh, did you hear what I said? <laughs> no, I didn't hear what you said. I said, I said that was the whole reason of us being here is me doing an intervention, and then it went dark. I was like, oh, man, that, that, that missed. That, that, that was a swing and a miss. No, we were there. I said, I said, I got to get on my fulfillment department who's sitting right next to me. To make sure <laughs> oh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to read it, um, but uh, you know, technology—it's—it's it's a beautiful thing. I'm excited. We're actually moving to a new house, and our internet is going to going to be imp- uh, upgraded significantly. So, won't have any more glitches. But thanks for sticking with us. Um, so, fast forward—it's now 2020, and we've we've just uh, lived through a crazy pandemic that we're still living in, and all that just happened in Minneapolis. Um, You've got a lot of people uh, that are talking about this. We're seeing a lot of marches, a lot of peaceful demonstrations, some that have uh, taken a little bit of a different turn. But I guess what I'd love to just hear you guys talk about for a second is um, even this message of starting again, where do we go right now? I think we've, we've talked a lot about this idea of inequality and that there, there's, there's a systematic problem uh, in, our, in our world. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah. Uh, I know that at some point, demonstrations are gonna stop and lures and you know, things, craziness that are, that are happening, um, that's gonna die down. Where, where do we go from here? How do we begin the process of not just you know, it's kind of like, you know how school shootings take place and a shooting takes place and then there's outrage and things just kind of go back to the way they were. How can we make sure that we aren't going to just be repeating the same thing over and over again? How do we bring systematic change that, some, that people are just crying so loudly for right now? Yeah. You know, in our video, the, the note cards, one of the things that we said, we, we examined who are we, who are we becoming? And this is kind of like really from the song. And then I asked the question, whose side am I on? At that time, it was, are you on um, the people versus the police? Um, are you on the side of black people or white people? And then we say, we reframe the question. We say that um, it's not a, um, a black versus white thing. It's not an us versus the police thing. It's really truly a dark versus light thing. And, and that's, as Christians, we believe um, that's really, really what it's about. And the Lord gave Angie a scripture that is the theological basis for our book. And it's out of 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And that, that verse is, in him we know there is 
Um, in, in him, we know that we're all called for, uni for unity. There's no darkness in him at all. You know, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. And if we claim to be in the light, yet we don't live that way, then we're liars because the blood of Christ purifies us from all sin. And so we say this, this that passage in 1 John was written to Christians. Um, and, and God, we're in the, he, God is light. There's no darkness in him. So Christians, if you're claiming to be in the light, but you don't live that way, then you're lying. And so the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin, even the sin of racism. And so that's kind of what we believe because a lot of these, these issues, and, and, and here's the deal, whether you, a lot of white people I talk to say, well, do we really have a systemic problem? Is this an epidemic? Are white people, are black people really being gunned down, you know, at an epidemic proportion? And I'll say this, whether you believe that or not, um, perception is reality. And our cities are burning for the last five or six days because overwhelmingly black people and even the majority of the white people believe that this is a pandemic. It's an epidemic that needs to be dealt with. You know, when we sat there and watched George, um, you know, um, George um, Floyd have his life just drained from him, literally on camera, that was just gruesome. That took it to the next level. And so we try to say this, it's not, we, we have to move beyond the black versus white thing. I mean, um, that I think that, you know, the media politicians and different people want us in fighting with each other so that I think they can keep power to themselves. And Christian people have to realize it's not a black versus white thing. This is a, this is a, a case of dark versus light. God is the light. There's no darkness in him. And so, you know, that's kind of what we say. We, we're, we're saying we need to reframe the question. So starting again is, is realizing that in the darkness, we said this in the book, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. You know, and so we reframe the question and we say, we don't want it to be a, um, a dark versus, you know, or in the darkness, we wanna be in the light. And, light. and love leads to forgiveness, forgiveness to unity and unity to peace. And so that's kind of our message from the book. And that's what it really truly means to start again. We want unity, we want peace, we want love, we want forgiveness. And for us Christian people, it's so that we can be in right fellowship with our fellow man, with our brothers and sisters, no matter what color they are, black, white, brown, yellow, red, it doesn't matter. We wanna be in right relationship with our brothers and sisters so that we then can have the opportunity to spread the gospel to them. Because that's what Jesus called us all to do, to go into all the nation and spread the gospel and to make disciples. And so it's important for us to realize that we can't get caught up in the infighting of racism and choosing a side, whether it's red or blue, Democrat versus Republican, we're Christians, we have a higher allegiance, and that is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. So that's our message of what it means to start again. So what, I mean, you know, we, we've got a, a fairly large group of people that listen uh, to our podcast that, uh, that don't have the, uh, faith baseline that, that you have, you know, I mean, this whole message of, of starting again and, and dark versus light. Uh, what do you say to someone that uh, doesn't share that same faith point of they're just at this place of they're mad and, and they're upset and they're angry and they don't, you know, you know obviously there are people that are uh, of faith that are just as angry and grieved as people that are not. But, you know, if, you know, if, if we are, are talking about God being the healer of, of a heart in this, uh, in this uh, conversation, 
what, what do you say to a person who doesn't share that same uh, thought and they're coming and saying, I'm, I'm looking for some answers? Yeah. You know, Corey, that's a good question. And, you know, you have that. You have black people there and you have white people there. And um, it's going to be difficult for love and unity and forgiveness and peace to, to come if people don't have an understanding of God and, and what it truly means to be the light. Because um, we are people of faith and we do believe that we're called to spread love and joy and peace and faith on the earth. And you see this perpetuation of violence, of death, of destruction, of chaos by people who aren't in touch with their faith. And so I will say this, admittedly, our book is from the Christian perspective, you know, um, because it is, it's at a visceral level where Christians will understand our higher purpose and our higher calling. You know, however, that even being the case, I have family members that aren't Christians and they've sent me messages. Um, white family members, Angie's like, you know, and they, they talk to me and they're going, man, that's just not right. We saw, this was a, a clear case of just excessive force, police brutality, whatever you want to call it. And it's, and it's almost like a lot of white people are saying, hey, listen, we're with you. Mm -hmm. um, man, we hear you. This is, I get it. I understand this. A lot of white people who, who would say that they're not racist, and, and they're probably not. I, we believe that the majority of people in America aren't racist. We believe that it's just that small little outlier of people that are blatantly racist. Um, but we have also decided in our book to redefine the terms. There's a difference between being a racist, then being racially insensitive, and then being racially ignorant. And we feel it's important to redefine the terms because once you label someone a racist, if I think that you're racist, I don't wanna have anything to do with you at a human level, whether you're a Christian or not, because a lot of black people are frustrated and mad and they're seeing um, a level of systemic racism all across America, um, the way, um, and you go back to the history and we go to a lot of the history in our book, the history of race relations in, 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 in America, history, I love history. I mean, obviously, inarguably, America was set up for, um, for white men. And so a lot of the laws and the, the um, policies on the books are set up to benefit white people. And, you know, even back when you look at black people were considered three-fifths. Women didn't have the same rights until, you know, man, it wasn't literally until the 60s when, when black people, when women, and so on and so forth, gained the opportunity to vote. So inherently, um, the systems of America are set up to benefit white people. Um, and so, so even if you take aside the Christian message, we have to acknowledge these things. Now, what ends up happening, and, and you know, when you go back to a lot of white people that don't get the Christian message, they say, okay, we get that. But then now when we try to help you, why are your people looting? Why are you guys you know, um, you know, burning your own towns? And it goes back to even then, just the whole us versus them and the whole, um, you know, you had our attention, but you blew it. So stop crying, stop whining. The, the, the systems are, when you look at the, the, the whole history of injustice, it's like black people are crying out, they're frustrated, they're mad. I, I said this to one of my white friends today. When I was growing up and, and you know, um, I had a lot of white friends that would like punch walls and break their hands. I mean, like literally four, five, six of them that I can think of, of, you know, white people. Now we use humor, so, I, you know, don't get offended. I mean, just take it in a grain of salt. I'm sure. not using the stereotype, but I, I know several white people that would just punch walls. And I'd be like, man, I would never punch a wall. 
You know, that's so crazy to me. You're not going to win against punching a wall. And so I call that white people stuff. Mm -hmm. Why would you punch a wall? That's crazy. Well, the same is true with people that are looting and stuff right now. When you get so mad, so frustrated, you, you don't think you're, you're emoting instead of thinking. And so um, even if people aren't Christians, we need to have a level of empathy for humanity and for a people group that, that have suffered for so long that feel like the system is stacked against them. Whether we, we, we can sit and argue which, which of those feelings is true or which one's just perceived, but it still is an overwhelming feeling and perception of people of color. And so well, that's I, what I'd say to yeah. I think you're right. And you know, what's, what's interesting is, well, the, 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 people are going to argue about everything, uh, yeah. but there's one thing that cannot be argued about. And that is white people are the majority of the people in this country. You cannot argue with math. There are more white people than there are people of color in our country. That's what makes majority versus minority. It, you know, it, it means you're, you have less in numbers. That's what minority means. So obviously people are going to enact laws that best are served for the majority. That's why they keep the majority. And so the, the, the idea, it's not far-fetched on me that we have created a country that continues to make things more easy for those that are in the majority. Yeah. yeah. And Honestly, you know, because I've seen these kind of things uh, a lot over the years, and, and I've been way more vocal about this situation, but I've also put myself in a position of just honestly wanting to listen. I've, I've read more books on race relations, and I've, I've listened to podcasts, and I'm just trying to put myself in a position of learning. I feel like there's too many people today that are busy sharing their opinion and not enough people sitting down and, and listening. And so I guess you know, as we kind of wind down here, we'd love to hear from you both on, listen, my audience, mainly white. There's a lot of people right now that are wondering, what can I do? Aside from post a picture of a black square on my social media. Yeah. What, what is it? What can someone do? What, talk to, I want you to talk to white people right now. Because I feel like in so many ways, there's a lot of people of color that have been in this battle for a long time, and you got people like me that have been on the sidelines. Yeah. What, what well, can people do? So we heard um, someone share just a little three-bullet-point takeaway from another conversation that we had um, a few days ago. And those three points were, you need racial history, so you need to know your racial history. And then, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say them and then I'm gonna come back and touch on them separately, but then you need to um, have racial humility and then you, that will lead to racial harmony. And so I like what you said already, Corey, that you know, you've put yourself, you've started to educate yourself, you know? And that's, that's the first thing that we as white people need to do. I think too many of us feel like, oh, you know, slavery was in the past, get over it. Um, civil rights movement, everything's open, just you have every right that I have, stop complaining. And that's easy for us because we're the majority. And I think that by and large, the majority culture doesn't want to do things anymore to restrict minority culture. It's not like there's, you know, bad guys sitting 
in Washington, D.C. going, oh, how can we, you know, get rid of these black people that we don't want around? But what they don't, they don't stop and think about. They're not intentional about saying, well, how, I know this impacts me and my family in a positive way, but does it impact everybody in a positive way? You know, we do that with, with our kids. We, we think our kids' third grade choir concert is amazing but we don't want to go to your kids their great choir concert no, no <laughs> and that's we don't dislike your child but it doesn't affect us it isn't important to us and so i think that's you know the first thing is we have to go back to that um to that racial history we have to understand that the things from the past do have a trickle-down effect and that they still continue to impact an average black person's life to this day I heard another person say the other day, you know, we're all running the same race. I agree with that. We all have opportunity to win, but because my leg was broken because of racial injustice at one point in our history, I have a limp still. And I can't catch up with you. It's not a fair race right now. Yeah, I get to run the same race as you, but see, there's this history that doesn't affect you the same way that it affects me. And, and us white people, we have to admit that and accept it. Just because we didn't own slaves personally, just because we don't wish ill for a black person, we still have privileges just because of the color of our skin and because of the way our, history, our country's history has been, it's easier to be white than it is to be black. And we have to admit that. Oh. Can I just add something to that? Yeah, please do. Yeah, I'll just kind of add this. I mean, when you understand the history you understand what people have dealt with. I, I really believe that not enough white people or, or black people even, but you know, when you're talking to your white audience, you're not educated on history. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Our family moved when we, you, you were, we were there, you, Julie, and myself and Angie, we pastored in Fort Myers, Florida, pretty affluent area. And so we moved from there to go to the inner city of St. Louis. And I never lived in the city, but when I get there, we lived in South County because you know, the schools on the inner city, they were not accredited. And so I had a friend that I played football in college, a black guy. He's like, hey, listen, I'm a school superintendent. You don't want your kids to go to school here. Go out to South County, West County. That's where the white people live. And I said, what do you mean the public school system is not accredited? I don't even understand what you're telling me right now. So they can't get school teachers there that are trying to teach kids and they're not passing tests. People don't come you know, to class and it comes down to the property value. Well, in the 60s and the 70s, when white flight happened in St. Louis, um, you had a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, the lapidation of the inner city and, um, and then you know, white people left, well, businesses left. Well, then a lot of white people say, well, that's because of crime. Well, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And, and, and you know, really, it's a both and, you know? So as a result, you got these people, the best job you can get on the inner city is the assistant manager at the dollar store making $9.50 an hour. So these people are renting, they're not you know, paying taxes and schools are funded off of tax dollars. You know, so he's like, you wanna live out in South County? So we do. And, um, and you know, I started to see the injustice out in South County where I live, predominantly white, we didn't have traffic like cameras out there. But I'm gonna give you a big thing that played into the Ferguson deal. Well, when I would drive into the inner city, and I'm four minutes, I'm four miles from Ferguson. Well, when you start to get to the inner city, they have these things called traffic light cameras. I wasn't aware of that living in Fort Myers, Florida. We didn't have those there, did we, Corey? Not that I know of. Yeah, no. So I hope they did. I hope that we didn't, because I'd have got a lot more tickets for sure. <laughs> and I didn't get any in South County, but as I drove in the inner city and I turned on the natural bridge, which is, you know, one of the black light white lines in St. Louis, 
they have traffic light cameras. So if you turn right on a red in your mail, you get sent a ticket for $100. If you, you go through a, um, a yellow light and it turns red, you get mailed $100. Well, we had moved there and, and all of a sudden after a month and a half, they get my real address and they send me seven of these in the mail, $700. Now, I was able to go to court and plead them down. I pled ignorance and the, and the judge saw me in my nice suit and, you know, nice, respectable pastor here in town. She pled it down and only made me pay two of them. But in the inner city, um, when you get those, if you get three of those um, and you can't afford to pay them, then you, you don't, your license doesn't get renewed. Then your tags aren't renewed. So now all of a sudden this young black man's driving, couldn't afford to get his license or his tags renewed because there's not really a lot of jobs in the inner city. He gets pulled over for a bag of weed, which is the same weed that, that white folks are smoking in the suburbs. Let's be real here. You know, and so now he gets busted for that. And the news says, young black thug busted for distributing or whatever. And so that's, that's just an example of, of what happens. And this is in St. Louis four or five years ago. You don't have these traffic light cameras that, that disadvantage because let's be real, you know, white people, black people, entrepreneurs, people that are off and running, we go through stop signs, we roll through lights, but when you got traffic cameras that are watching every move, that's not in South County, that's not in West County, but it's in Ferguson and it's in Clayton and the inner city areas. And that's an example. That's why black people were so mad. In, in Ferguson, a lot of them are driving around with suspended license or can't get their tags renewed. They're getting ticketed all the time. They get in the system. And it's because you give them these traffic light cameras that's not happening in South County or West County. Wow. And so, you know, that's history. We got to know those things. Hmm. And, you know, and that's just another example, too, of, you know, the white privilege. So sorry for... You know, yeah, no, but, Go ahead. but yeah, like that stuff, you know, like people, we have to admit, you know, that like I said, that there's reasons that have not been in the, the past history. It's not too far back in our history that there was discrimination, blatant discrimination and, and systems that were put in place to try to keep black people in their place. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that wasn't that too far, gen too many generations back. And so it does trickle down. Yeah. So that's educate yourself and be aware that stuff like that's still happening. You know, I use this example um, with the whole George Floyd thing, even if he was trying to pass a, 20, a counterfeit $20 bill, you know, I think about myself, if I was trying to pass a counterfeit $20 bill, people would have assumed that I had gotten it mistakenly and would have felt sorry for me. You know, I, nobody would have thought that I had a counterfeit bill that I was trying to use. And I definitely wouldn't have been, I don't think I would have been arrested and I definitely wouldn't be dead. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, nobody's threatened by me just by looking at me and not by my size, not by my muscles either. You know, I just made, I just made muscle sign and, yeah. and no I, one to see, I but anyway. It. But there comes a humility that has to come with privilege. Like I don't, we don't want white people to feel guilt about privilege. Nobody should. There's books out white fragility and, you know, white guilt and it should lead to reparations. I'm not for that stuff. I, Cause I, I take it back to the Christian message. You know, with privilege comes responsibility. You know, so for example, you know, as men, Corey, have you ever, have you ever tried a game plan or thought about what you need to do so that you don't get assaulted, maybe sexually assaulted? Have you ever tried to think about that? No. Worried about it. Are you worried about way, that? Yeah. Car, are, are you ever worried about that, Corey? No, I'm not. Neither am I. I mean, and I assume you're like me where you think, oh, I better not go, 
you know, take the garbage out late at night or afraid to go for a late night jog or maybe you have mace on your keychain or, or when you're walking to your, to your car at the mall, you walk with your, the keys in between your fingers. I mean, you're not worried about those things, are you? No. Because uh, it's male privilege, right. you know? And, and I'm not saying that men are better or stronger than women. There's a lot of strong women. Women have babies, and, and I'm thinking they do things that we do. If I was having a baby, if men were having babies, everybody would have maybe one. You know? <laughs> but, so, but the thing is, with privilege comes responsibility, it's, and, it's a, and it comes a responsibility to, just, to serve those that don't have that same privilege. And so, you know, when you talk about things like white privilege, the world takes that, and there's some people that take that message and turn it into a bad thing, like, you should feel guilty white people and, and just keep your mouth shut and let us talk. That's not our message. No. You know, our message is, Hey, serve people with your privilege, yeah. you know? And so that, that's something that I think people should take into consideration because we, when we're walking in, in humility and humbly, we're willing to listen. And then the third point again, Angie. Well, just the, you know, that leads to racial harmony. If you're being humble and if you're just saying, you know what, I realize that things are different for me than they are for my friends of color. Um, I want to just try to understand better. I want to try to empathize, empathize with them. That goes such a long way to just creating harmony, as opposed to taking offense, getting puffed up, and, and I'm just going to use this as an example, the whole phrase, Black Lives Matter. That just infuriates some people because they think, how stupid is it to say that Black Lives Matter? Because obviously all lives matter. And for Black people, it's insulting when you immediately go there. Right. Now, I feel as though that phrase, Black Lives Matter, has been hijacked yeah. and used as, you know, some kind of... It's a negative thing now. Yeah. I mean, let's just be real. It's, it's been hijacked. But when it started, it was from moms who were tired of their Black kids getting killed in the inner city. And they're going, man, our lives matter. And so, but, but this is the example of it. Like, you know, so that's, you know, that's where your Black Lives Matter started good, but it turned bad. And, and so then let me give kind of an analogy to put alongside of that. So one of our kids is a lot more emotionally sensitive than the others and just needs more um, prep lead time. If plans are going to change, you know, it throws them off a of schedule and whatnot and whatever. And so there are times when we have to say to our other kids, you are fine with this. You know, we need you to adjust because your brother's struggling right now. And so do all of our kids matter? Of course they do. But right now this one kid is struggling. And so we got to focus a little bit more of our time and energy on him for these, this moment in time. And I mean, that, that, I, I, I can't imagine that any parent wouldn't be able to understand that concept, that yes, all of our kids matter, but right now, black people need to have people understanding and empathizing with the fact that, yeah, this is a problem and that please help us join, let's all join together and, and change our mindset and not be divisive about it. Um, you know, like we said, we are unashamedly Christian in our worldview, and, and Jesus offered a great example of this. You know, he told a story about how a shepherd has a hundred sheep, and 99 of them are safe back in the fold, but there's one that's out there in danger of being killed by a, a, a wolf. And so I'm going to leave all of you guys here, the 99, you're going to take care of each other and yourself, but I'm going to go after that one that needs to be, needs help. And I just feel like white people, we have to get over ourselves 
and, and, and think, duh, all lives matter. That's so offensive to me, you know? Um, Yeah, I I love I've seen that. Um, I've seen that a few times. I actually saw somebody use an analogy that, that I thought was interesting today. And they said, you know, if I broke my wrist and went to the doctor and the, I had a bone sticking out of my arm and was in a lot of pain. I wouldn't walk into the doctor's office. And when they started looking at my wrist and wrist and taking x-rays of my wrist, start saying, you know, why aren't you looking at my leg? Because all my bones matter. Well, yeah, but this is the one that's broken. (laughs) This is, this is the one that we're looking at right now. And uh, it doesn't mean that the wrist is more important than the femur or whatever. Uh, It just means that right now, this is what we're focusing on. So I love that. Hey, um, I want to just, as we wrap up, maybe have you guys talk a little just about, um, again, what you do. And if people want to follow you, uh, how do they find you on social media? How do they get access to your book? And I know that you guys uh, do a lot of speaking and traveling. Um, when, when you go to different churches. So maybe just talk about that. Like if the people want to learn more about your story, they want to buy your book, they want to listen to your podcast, they want to follow you on social media, they want to book you for a service. How do they do that? Yeah, man, all of those things are, are good. Our website is um, alexbryant.org, A-L-E-X-B-R-Y-A-N-T.org. That's where you can um, purchase our book. You can hear our story there, get the vision for our ministry. We, we felt God calling us to leave our church. And um, we got five kids and we took a step of faith. We actually saved up um, about six months worth of salary. I told Angie, I was like, we're going to just take a run at it and make this thing work because we felt like God was calling us to spread the message of racial reconciliation um, to churches, um, rich churches, black churches, white churches, red churches, poor, poor churches, churches, everything in between, and, and even people. We'll go to communities and just talk to people. And so alexbryant.org is where you can connect with us. We also have a Facebook page. It's um, Alex Bryant Ministries. We're on AG or IG because we're down with the young people Instagram. He likes to show how cool he is by calling it IG. I'm down with the young people. I'm on IG, although I'm not down that much with it. But anyway. Um, and we have a podcast. Yeah, The Way is, We See It. Yeah, it's called The Way you, We See It. And you can also access that from our um, alexbryant.org website. But you can also hear us on Spotify or wherever you listen podcast to your podcast. All that good stuff. So we'd love to have you partner with us. Come and see what we're about. Buy our book. You can buy it on the website. You can also buy it on Amazon. Just search Alex and Angela Bryant or um, Let's Start Again. I'm here. So I just wanted to uh, let you guys know, I... Uh, I just, you know, I, I was joking around a little bit before about uh, sending me a copy. I just... I just now, as you were talking, I just went on your website and bought 10 copies. Um, so uh, I just want one of them. So you can give the other nine away to some people as part of a promotion or if you want to or whatever. But uh, I just I just bought 10 of them. Uh, I just want one so I can read it. Uh, but uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you for what you do. Thanks for your message that you're sending. And um, just really appreciate you guys as friends and as fellow Bears fans. And just uh, really looking forward to seeing you again. Thanks for being on. Hey, thanks, Thanks Corey. Thanks for your audience. Thanks for listening. And hey, man, we all are in this together. We all do. Let's just let's unite as Americans and as as humanity and go out and just love on people. Thanks for your time. Great. Well, hey, everybody, this has been the Chasing Better podcast. If this is something that added some value, go ahead and uh, hit share. Let some other people hear about this. Uh, We certainly love to talk about relevant things that are uh, really designated to help all of us become the best version of ourselves. We're really working together, starting again and creating a world that gives everyone equal and fair opportunity 
to chase after the person that they desire to become. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, go be the best version of you. Have a good day, everybody. See no more fears or move by peers. I dry my tears because I'm right here. See, I'm singing and dancing, loving, outlasting, striving, providing. I widen my horizon. I'm chasing better, chasing better, 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 I'm chasing better.